to At the Window with Dementia. I'm Laura Banner, and I'm your host. Last week's episode was asking, is it dementia or is it a dementia mimic? And I didn't really go into what dementia mimics are, so I wanted to spend this episode talking about different things that can cause someone to appear to have dementia when in fact, it's actually not. And it's really important to identify whether or not someone has dementia or actually has a mimic because most, not all mimics, can be treated. And once it's treated from that point forward, their memory actually improves. Unlike dementia, as we have discussed in the past, is a progressive disease. We can't stop it. We can't reverse it. We can only hope to slow it down. But let's talk about the mimics. Things that, from the outside, even to a clinician, may appear to be dementia. But it's not until you really dig through the weeds and ask a lot of questions does it become clear that it might in fact be something else. So what are some of these something else's? Well, what I found in my practice is the most common mimic of dementia is mood, specifically depression. Because when someone is depressed, there's almost a barrier preventing them from creating these short-term memories. So it's not that they have forgotten information. They actually never retained it in the first place. And that's why they're not able to retrieve it. So aside from depression, PTSD, that can also impair someone's memory. So can anxiety. We often all use that expression, it's on the tip of my tongue. Perhaps there's a word that escapes you, someone's name, the name of a favorite restaurant or movie. And if you're like me, and I think many others, you start going through the alphabet, hoping that something will trigger that memory. But it seems like the harder you try, the further away it goes. And then spontaneously, it appears in your mind, but it's long after when you needed it. Perhaps the person you were talking to is no longer there. And it's so frustrating. But that's a prime example of how anxiety can force the retrieval of a memory to actually be more challenged and go further away until you're relaxed and you're not thinking about it. And then boom, there it is. Depression is something that I find to be quite challenging because what I certainly don't want to ever do is convince someone that, in fact, they're depressed. But what amazes me is how many people, when I ask if they're depressed, say they're not. And it's not that they are trying to hide it. They just lack the awareness that, in fact, they are depressed. And I think this is more common when someone has chronic depression. Maybe they've suffered from depression their entire life. So they don't recognize that it's actually depression. For them, it's normal. And depression doesn't act the way that many people think that it should. People still are completely functional. They get out of bed. They don't spend their day curled up with a blanket crying, staring out a window. 
they just don't feel interest in things. They they are almost apathetic. They have a hard time motivating. Things that previously brought them joy no longer seems to. And there seems to be this invisible weight holding them down. And it's not until they've either engaged in counseling or perhaps they're on some type of an antidepressant medication or maybe even both, do they recognize in their rearview mirror that in fact in the past they were depressed and now they no longer are? And from this point forward, their memory is much better. Medication is another mimic. Many people suffer from chronic pain. And as a means to alleviate that pain, they're on narcotics, opioids, perhaps a sedative or some other type of medication. And in the same way that that medication dulls sensation, it can also inhibit someone's ability to create a memory. And that's a difficult line to walk because you certainly don't want someone to be in pain But at the same time, you don't want them to be a zombie. You don't want their their memory to be impacted. And so it's trial and error, trying to find just the right strength of medication to keep their pain at bay while still allowing them to create memories. One thing that a lot of people use is these, quote, PM uh, medications at night to help them sleep. And the PM is often the indicator that it contains something called diphenhydramine, also known as Benadryl. And over time, Benadryl actually does cause confusion, and it can have a lasting effect. So use sparingly. It's okay. It's not going to harm you. But used on a regular basis as a means of a sleep aid, Yes, it certainly can impact your memory. Sleep apnea is another mimic for depression, excuse me, for dementia. Now, let me tell you a little bit about sleep apnea, because most people think about sleep apnea just from the standpoint of someone snoring. But in fact, it's much, much more than that. Sleep apnea is when someone is not oxygenating appropriately. And because of this, they are not able to reach those deep restorative levels of sleep. That level of sleep that your brain requires to refresh itself, to stay healthy, to help you have a well-balanced mood, to keep you from being depressed. When you're not able to get to those deep restorative levels of sleep, your immune system is compromised. You're at risk of having a heart attack or a stroke. And yes, it also significantly impacts your memory. Now, over a long period of time, you can actually develop a vascular type of dementia if you have sleep apnea and you're not using the recommended assisted device like a CPAP or a BiPAP. It's very important, even if you don't believe you have sleep apnea, If your partner has told you that you snore, 
And if they've heard you gasping for air or sounds like you have periods of time where you're not breathing, or perhaps you don't have a partner and you just notice that despite having what you consider adequate sleep, seven, eight hours a night, you're still very tired during the day and you could very easily fall asleep and take cat naps. Those are all indicators that you may have sleep apnea. Another mimic for dementia is actually ADD. Now, a lot of people, especially in the senior age group, were never diagnosed with ADD. It wasn't a thing when they were young. And it may have gone undiagnosed. Now, some indicators that someone has ADD, and not everyone who has it has the hyperactivity component to it, is that they seem to bounce around from one thought to the next. They have trouble staying on task. They're easily distracted. It has nothing to do with intelligence. But they may beat themselves up and say something like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I remember this? Or why can't I stay focused? They're just very easily distracted. These are the people who tend to consume a lot of caffeine, but instead of it amping them up, It actually has a paradoxical reaction, and it actually calms them down. So you can imagine, if they're not attending to something and paying attention, well, then that's understandable why they're not creating a memory. There's also the metabolic mimics. What I mean by that is, when something is going on within your body that is causing, I almost want to say a toxin, a buildup of some some substance within your body that impairs your cognitive function. For example, perhaps you have chronic kidney disease, or maybe you have some type of liver disorder that produces excess amounts of ammonia. Both of those can certainly impair your memory. There's also the infectious components that are mimics for dementia, the most notorious being a UTI. If you haven't seen it before, trust me, once you see a senior who has some type of memory impairment present with a UTI, you will never forget it again. You'll never miss it. Sometimes acute confusion is the only symptom that they have. They may not have a fever. They may not complain of pain with urination. There may be no foul odor, but they are acutely confused. You treat the infection, just like treating the mood disorder, just like treating sleep apnea. And from that point forward, memory improves. There's another one that a lot of people overlook, and that's hearing impairment. Now, doesn't it make sense if they never heard the information in the first place, then how can they be accountable for recalling it? They can't. And a lot of seniors, as I've discussed in previous episodes, have hearing impairment. So some indicators that your loved one may have hearing impairment would be, do you notice that they seem to look at your mouth when you talk as if to be reading your lips? Has the volume on the TV gone up? Or maybe on their phone, they have it at the highest volume possible. Do they often not hear what you're saying when they're turned away? 
if any of these things are true, well, there's a very simple solution. Get their hearing checked. If they need hearing aids, encourage them to get them. Vanity plays a big role in this one. I often see a lot of patients who are hearing impaired. And when I suggest that they go and they explore whether or not they would be a candidate for hearing aids, they actually tell me they have them. They just don't wear them. So they're missing out. Now what I tell people is, yes, a mimic looks just like dementia. But the good news is, once you identify it and you treat it, from that point forward, your loved one's memory improves. But if you never get it evaluated, what's the difference? Does it really matter if it's actually dementia or if it's a mimic? Because the bottom line is, they're not retaining information. So, if in doubt, get your loved one or yourself checked. Believe me, you'll be glad you did, regardless of the outcome. Because if it's a mimic, you can develop a plan to get it treated. And if it's not a mimic, if in fact it actually is dementia, the earlier it's identified and diagnosed, the earlier you can start to intervene. And again, as I said in the beginning of this episode, we can't stop it, we can't reverse it, but we can hope to slow it down. We can identify risk factors for some of the types of dementia, but early diagnosis also allows your loved one with memory impairment to participate in their future decisions. And that, I believe, is not only good for them, but it's a gift to you, the caregiver, the family member, the loved one, because you don't have to wonder what their wishes are. They'll be able to express them to you. Anyway, I hope that clarifies the difference between dementia and a dementia mimic. And one last note, if you ever hear the term pseudo-dementia, they're referring to a dementia mimic. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. If you don't already, please subscribe to my podcast. I release new episodes every Tuesday. You can also check me out on Instagram. My handle, at compassionate underscore education. And please, if you haven't already, check out my website, CompassionateEducation.com. There's a lot of useful information there as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye.